Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Get Into It with Gila. I'm Gila Glassberg, your host, registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. I'm really excited to put out this podcast today that I did with Barry Mitzman. I feel like she's taught me so much in over the course of her um, career, just her podcast, Women of Valor, her Instagram page, her openness with her Lyme disease her, and her mental health journey. I really, really appreciate her honesty, her authenticity, and she always shares with like the right amount of boundaries. Am I the way that I see it. And it, I actually, it was a long time coming getting her on the podcast. So I'm really, really excited. I wanted to also read this post that I put on Instagram because I know a lot of you don't have Instagram or you're not really on social media besides for the podcast. So I wrote this post with my daughter and I, we went out to eat. What a profound experience I had with my daughter last night. I promise I take her for dinner. We went to one of my favorite places here in the five towns called Geffen Gourmet, which is one of my favorite places. We got a falafel plate to split, a pita, a vegetable noodle soup, and a donut for dessert. Although I have been practicing intuitive eating for a long time now, I still have strong diet culture voices that creep up on me. I was thinking about the fact that there was less protein and more carbs at this meal than usual. Like I teach my clients, this is normal. I noticed the thoughts. I even welcomed them. Then I felt so grateful that I let them come and go that I could sit and enjoy all foods with my daughter, that she doesn't have to suffer through going out to eat while her mom just sits there without being able to join her in a meal. Thank you, Intuitive Eating, for giving me for giving me this. Life is so much more meaningful and enjoyable this way, and I know I am doing right by my kids. So actually, just a follow-up to that, um, somebody who follows me and I've actually worked with her mom wrote this to me. This is so sweet. I never thought I cared that my mom was such a big dieter for so many years, but when we recently went out and my mom decided to get the same sandwich as me, I was overjoyed. I realized that even if she didn't verbalize it, I must have always known that she wasn't really enjoying her salad with a drop of dressing while I was eating my avocado pesto cheese sandwich. Actually, that sounds so good. It really is a completely different experience when we go out together and both enjoy our food together. It's so good that we can give our kids that. Thank you. So I just found that to be really profound, and I wanted you to experience that as well. Also, I'm a big podcast listener, so I just feel like I plop my earpods in, I get the dishes going, or I take a walk, and I'm able to like really maybe take a bike ride or whatever, and I'm really able to pay attention to that. And I feel like intuitive eating really gave me that back. And um, for those of you that are learning to make to make peace with food and you want to learn the principles of intuitive eating, you can actually take my self-paced course. If you go to my website, www.gilaglassberg.com, you could go scroll down and you can see my services. One of them is a self-paced course. It's $200 and I'm actually offering 25% off now with a mention of either the podcast or if you get my newsletter, I have that in the newsletter. If you want to sign up for my newsletter, you could email me at gilaglassberg18 at gmail.com. And I am basically back in full swing taking clients. Uh, My hours are pretty much open, so please feel free to reach out. And without further ado, enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. I know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration, powerful tools and insights, and valuable knowledge. If you want more of this, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. I'm Gila Glassberg, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. I have come to realize by counseling many, many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image. It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, This podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. 
This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Get Into It with Gila. I'm Gila Glassberg, registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. And today I have Barry Mitzman. Hi, Barry. Hi, Gila. Thank you so much for having me and squeezing me in on a chaotic day. Thank you so much for making this work. I know we were just talking before we started recording that you like have a lot on your plate and I really appreciate you making the time to come onto my podcast. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate your patience. Oh, sure. <laughs> so tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Where do you live? What do you do? All right. So I am a Brooklyn native who's been living in Nevada for six years. We just passed our six year anniversary living here. Nice. So both of my children are Nevada born and bred. Uh, We do not live on the Strip. We do not live near the Strip. We live in a suburb (laughs) called Henderson. Um, What I do, so... So wait, one second. Hold on. Yeah. Actually, if you don't mind, since we're doing this off the cuff anyways, first of all, I just want to say my best friend lives next door to you, Karen. Yeah, next door to (laughs) you. Yeah, really funny. And um, okay, why Henderson? Like Henderson, right? Why? um, You're from Brooklyn. Like, how'd you end up there? And then you could tell us what you do. So I'm from Flatbush. Um, my accent from New York really, once I go to New York, it comes back and then I like have to adjust for a few weeks, but yeah, you don't sound like you're from New York. You don't sound like I adjust to accents. If I'm hanging out with a British person for long enough, my intonation changes. And I once spent a summer down South and I had like a, like sinus infection and they're like, honey, where's your, where's your insurance from? I'm like, New York. They're like, is that where you're from? I'm like, yes, ma'am. And they're just like, okay like it just it just it's not a it's not a mimicking it's not a mocking it's just the the accents like it kind of just adapts with me which is why I'm good at doing impressions and yeah and things like that um we really just wanted out of New York um for a number of reasons we meaning Um, you and your husband yeah my husband and I spoke about it even before we got married while we were dating I was just like I don't know I don't really see myself raising a family here Um, I feel like I have to keep up a lot and like everything's so fast paced that like my anxiety skyrockets. I have generalized anxiety disorder. So like, you know, you also need to like try and control your environment as much as possible uh, with that. So when you were, when you were growing up there, you didn't like, like when you were growing up there as a kid, you didn't like living there. Like you thought in your head, like when I get married, I'm going to move out of New York or it was more like, not at all. Not at all. I'm just like, I'm going to be here for the rest of my life or like maybe move to Manhattan type thing. Um, Once I started volunteering for NCSY while I was in college, um, I was flying out to the West Coast a lot, actually. I never flew out to Vegas, um, but I actually was, I did work for NCSY in the West Coast for a couple of years. But while I was volunteering, I think my last Shabbaton before I graduated, so I actually flew back at the end, like early from spring regional to go and like go to my graduation because like the dean like asked me if I would go he's like I want to give you an award or something I'm like I have a Shabbaton he's like it's a money award I'm like I'm on my way dean so I <laughs> planned my trip accordingly but I was in the same room as um my boss who is the director of Vegas NCSY I actually was volunteering in Portland so at least once and once a month I was flying out to Portland Oregon I went to Seattle I went to LA um I went to Vancouver and I was just like wow these kids are really nice like oh my God, like you say hi to the mailman here. So like every time I'd go, I'd be like, good morning, mailman. And everyone's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, we don't get to do that in New York. Everyone just runs at each other. It doesn't even make eye contact. I'm like, I like this idea of saying hi to my mailman. Truth is like, I would probably, if we moved back, like I would be the one to do that. 
Um, but I'm also just like, Ma, like, why aren't people saying that my kid's so cute? Everyone says that in Trader Joe's. And she's like, people might be like scared to like feel like threatened, like you're gonna like do something in that. I'm like, that's very silly and that's a very sad way to live. But my husband really didn't want snow. That was like his main thing. And I'm like, okay, if you want to live somewhere warm, I can't have somewhere humid, um, which left very few places in the country. Um that's so interesting. So it's based yeah. on like a lot of like factors having to do with like raising your kids and also like the weather. Yeah. And we were just, we were looking, we heard about about a month, two months into us being married. Someone told us there were two up and coming communities, one in Texas, one in Vegas. And we checked out Vegas first. Um, Summerlin's also a really great community here. Henderson's just where we ended up and we love it. So you moved there right after you got married? Like you've been there since you got married? We moved right after I took my last exam for uh, my graduate degree. I actually have a master's in special education. I was a, I was a teacher. Um, and after I moved here, even I was doing some substitute teaching and some tutoring for the state. Um, and then, you know, I got sick, like my Lyme disease kind of returned with a vengeance and between having kids and taking a toll on my body with all these active infections, I had to step down for most of my life. Um, I stopped doing outreach. I was doing college outreach and high school outreach and I stopped tutoring. Um, so I was pretty much left with, um, no work and no income and things like that. And I kind of just took like the small social media that I was using. It was like kind of like a creative outlet to deal with everything that that's going on. It still is a creative outlet for me, but it, it, it has turned more into a business social media. I guess I didn't say, you know, anything about what I do. So yeah, at so, this point, so what do you do? Um, I, am, I, when people ask me, I usually say I do, a, I do things, mm-hmm. but I'll elaborate a bit. Um, I am a social media influencer on Instagram, though I uh, just resolved to do some ridiculousness on TikTok just for the sake of my own weird sense of humor. I um, I have my own podcast that I don't do, don't do as consistently um, as anyone who I've been interviewed by over the past year. I'm <laughs> very impressed by the consistency um, of of you, of everyone who's who's able to do this. Uh, my podcast is a Woman of Valor podcast where we, you know, interview different um, Jewish women talking about overcoming adversity, you know, normalizing struggle, shedding light on different topics that are important and pertain to the modern Jewish woman. I have my own social media consulting business where I consult one-on-one with businesses about their overall strategy. And I do run a couple of accounts um, and taking that a step further, I have my own course called um, IBA, which is the IG Business Academy, where I teach people who work for companies or organizations or people who own businesses or people who want to run social media um, as a form of income, um, teaching them starting from the very, very basics of how to use Instagram um, all the way up to negotiating contracts with influencers and growing your following and Instagram strategy and planning and content calendars and you know, ways of vetting different people you're working with and even bonus content. I just finished uh, recording today with Melinda Strauss, who's giving a class on TikTok and how to use what you're already doing for Instagram and then use it for TikTok. Um, so definitely keep myself busy. I also have a nonprofit called Hakolba Seder where we aim to provide um, publications about the holidays for women who don't necessarily connect in the traditional way or are feeling like, nervous or disconnected to the holidays as a form of connection and inspiration while also validating and empathizing with the struggle. Well, it's a lot of things. Things. Lots of things. Thanks. 
I, I, you said I we have, know. you said we have an hour and 20 minutes, right? Yes. <laughs> um, gotta, gotta pick up my kid after this one kid, okay. then I okay. need to entertain her and then go pick up another kid. So we're doing okay. great. Okay. Great. Cause I, uh, we could go like a lot of places. So, well, you didn't say anything. You, you, you spoke about the Lyme disease, but you didn't really tell us the story, but I know you've been interviewed on other podcasts, so we don't have to go there. Um, I also but- have an episode on my, on my podcast called when life gives you Lyme, where I kind of just start at the beginning until like almost the end. I don't know when exactly I recorded it, um, but that's a really cute some, title. Very cute title. Thank you. Um, in some, you know, it was a six-year journey, uh, which sucked. Um, but here I am. Well, yeah. and then I'll, maybe I'll just link. It. Maybe I'll just link. wait. You don't still have it, or you do still have it? Um, everything, thank God, right now is at bay. There's no active infections. Um, thank God. Um, unfortunately I just lost, um, the practitioner, um, my doctor who actually was the messenger who, you know, brought me to my healing, um, which has been, which has been hard, but I am grateful that, you know, he got me to this place. Wow. That's amazing. Um, so I'm going to link that episode in my show notes, but if you could just, could you tell the abridged version of the story and, and, and then I'll pull it apart from my angle of like intuitive eating, health at every size, don't make comments about people's bodies basically. Yes. Yes. Um, so essentially while I, um, I got engaged to my husband, um, in 2015 and I was working full-time graduate school full-time, uh, volunteering for some nonprofits. Um, and you know, I was pretty much eating, you know, stuff that really wasn't quite intuitive as you would say, um, but was just easy and whatever. And suddenly I just started dropping weight out of nowhere. People are like, are you okay? Are like, what are you doing? I'm so jealous. Like, oh, is it just like everyone when they're engaged loses weight, you're just nervous. I'm like, I'm not nervous about anything. Like I know I'm supposed to marry this dude. Like I'm eating like, you know, chicken fingers and pizza, not together, obviously, but like every single day, like there's, there's no rhyme or reason to what's happening right now. You felt fine. So first I was feeling fine and the weight I started like shedding weight. Um, But then I started feeling like a little more weak. I stopped going to the gym as often. I was, I was going to the gym just for like my own like sanity and like movement. That's what I say to myself. But quite frankly, I just, I I had too much information. Um, I'll tell you right now as someone who's, you know, you're an intuitive eating specialist. I am the food police. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I should have a badge. Um, when they speak about the food police in the books, that is me. I, I am said food police. Um, so I just knew that like, you know, I should be eating the right things and, and I was, but then I would go in like before that I would just go and like eat like small, like really, really healthy meals that like my coworkers were impressed with. And then I'd go home and eat everything that was in my parents' fridge. You're like um, restricting and binging. Cause I was, I was starving by the time mm-hmm. I got home. I'm right. like that, like salad with like a tiny piece of grilled chicken was just not doing it for me. I'm going to eat all the shops leftovers that are in my fridge at four o'clock and then not have dinner because I'm too full and like, just repeat the cycle. Um, you were restricting yeah. on purpose. You were at first you were restricting on purpose to try. To I was, days. I was doing it for, for quote unquote health reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying my best. Like I have this preoccupation with, I used to be like incredibly interested in reading food labels like almost to the point of like memorization, like you used to, you would be able to like test me. Like I know how many grams of fat and calories are in mayonnaise and what's in it and in what order. Cause that was just what I would study. Not in like an obsession way. I was just like, okay, that was there. It was like some weird thing I had as a kid, but like, 
I knew all about Weight Watchers and the South Beach diet and, you know, Atkins and and all these things. So I kind of was just like, okay, I'm aware of all these things. And I wasn't as small as, as I was at the height of my line or as small as I am now, even, you know, when I was in high school, post some, you know, whatever, I really started losing weight. Um, you know, once I started, once I got sick, right. um, but I didn't know I was sick. So important I'm for sure. people to know, by the way, just yeah. that, like, um, I used to work in, I worked in nursing homes for five years as a clinical dietitian. And like, part of my job was to, we keep really close, um, tabs on people's weight because when people randomly start to lose weight it's a symptom of usually a symptom of something else so like we in our culture is like oh weight loss it's amazing like I I'll get Lyme disease and I'll have cancer god forbid and I'll get COVID because like at least I get to lose weight like that's so disordered but like just so people know that that's really a symptom you know how many comments like that that I got well at least you look good right or maybe I should get Lyme disease lucky you know, uh, even like emotionally, it's like, so you have this person helping you with this, that person helping you. What do I have to do to get something like that? That's terrible. And I was like, I- I'm sick. Right. And, you know, I also had someone tell me at a, at a wedding, like Barry, like you're married now. It's okay. You could stop losing weight now. Like in it's front terrible. of people. And I was right. like mortified. And like, I just right. had my husband drive me home after the wedding. Like it took everything out of me to get there and drive an hour and a half from Muncie to Williamsburg. Right. And right. like, I couldn't even make it through the chuppah. And I just got back in the car and, and had him drive me home. Like, I can't, I can't do this. Um, so yeah, we never found a tick bite. I started losing weight. I started getting fatigued. I already knew um, before we got married, I'm like, don't get a hotel. Don't plan a trip. Don't do anything. Like, let's go back to our apartment because I know I'm going to be exhausted. And I just remember like them pulling me away. Like um, at Jewish weddings, there's often the custom of like doing two rounds of dancing. So they were going to pull me away to the second round of dancing. And I, and I turned to my new husband. I'm like, please don't make me go back out there. Please don't. And they were like pulling me. And he was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I don't know what to do. He's like, women are pulling you. So I put on a really good show. Um, that's what I do. I have a pretty nice background in acting. Um, and yeah. And then like, I remember getting in the limo, like smiling, waving to everyone goodbye. And then like the, the door closed and I toppled over to the side and I was just like, just, just take me home. Like, and I'm you didn't know you were home. sick yet. You didn't know that you were sick yet. I wasn't. Sh- no, I was like, something's up, but we don't know right. what. So I went and thankfully we were living in Rockland County, which is infamous for the amount of ticks that they, that they, you know, harbor. So when I went to the doctor, like, we're going to tell everyone's like, oh, maybe you're pregnant. Maybe you're anemic. And I'm like, can everybody just get out of my body? And like, I'm going to go to the doctor. And I just remember that young Kipper, like I was told, like, just to not like to just eat like small portions of things. And I was skipping a couple of times. And then they took my blood pressure at one point in the afternoon. And they were just like, how are you still conscious? You should not be conscious with the blood pressure you currently have. It was scary. And you didn't know what you had at the time. No. So right after the holiday of Sukkot, we got my blood test back and they were like, you have Lyme disease. I'm like, what's Lyme? That's a fruit. Like, I don't know Lyme disease. I'm like, of course, the one thing I don't know what it is, is what I have. So long, arduous journey, starting with like a bunch of, you know, antibiotics, probiotics, supplements, antifungals. Like I had like, a, I, I call it my bubby box. I have a huge box of pills. I would be taking like 20 pills twice a day um, for a few months. I took off work. I was teaching in a school in New Jersey. I had to take off work for about six weeks. Um, and the moment I came back, the person who 
worked in the office. I don't blame her. I was like the like a word bomb. And I walk in and she goes, Oh my God, you're so skinny. Mm-hmm. And I go, I'm doing great. How are you? What did you do for those six weeks, by the way? Like as somebody who was and I was crying in bed. A lot. There was a lot of depression. There was a lot of anxiety. So a lot of loneliness. But also my husband was working from home and it's not like we live, you know, where we live now. We lived in an apartment the size of my current kitchen. Mm -hmm. You know, like we were living in a basement of somebody else's house. It was like four feet to get from like I always joke, I'm like the 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 walk from our bed to our bathroom is longer like then like it was so short I'm like and I couldn't even walk it I, I used to have times where like my husband needed to pick me up and carry me to the bathroom I felt so incredibly helpless I couldn't eat oh, yeah. I could not eat um I remember like after that like after those six weeks I was with a friend we went to like a bagel store and I I was able to eat like half a bagel and I was so proud of myself then I was just staring at that other half and she's like what are you doing and I was just I was like why can't I eat you I was yelling at the bagel in the bagel store like and like because you just didn't have the energy I just I had no interest either like I was like withering away I was so weak I felt so frail I I like fit into like the preteen clothes in Jewish stores. So that should tell you how small I was. Right. And I remember I threw a hissy fit in one of the stores because I was trying on a pencil skirt and I was like, I'm going to take a four. And they were like, Barry, you're not a four. It's like falling off you. She's like, you need a zero. I'm like, I will never be a size zero. I am not a size zero. My body is not made to be a size zero. It was screaming. And this is not something you usually hear in in a, in a clothing store right. usually here like right. I will not be a size x like right. I'm, I'm like no I will not be the small I refuse and then I bought the larger skirt that I never ended up wearing it would know it no longer would fit me um because thank god I'm at I'm at like a healthier place right now and my body is you know likely where it should be um but there was a lot of focus on my weight um despite like the fact that I could barely eat there was no concept of eating intuitively it was like can I even get anything into my body at this point right of course Um, when you're sick it's not like yeah yeah and then I was still small like while I thank god I was still able to give my children the nutrients they needed but like say with like my son I was I have two kids that are 18 months apart um which is which is fun um now they're five and three and a half and I remember when my son was pregnant with my son, I was, I was really sick. I was sick throughout the whole pregnancy, but I just remember him like, like testing different things. And he's like, you know, your body's in ketosis. Like your body's like eating itself so that it can like supply stuff for your baby. Like, well, that's very encouraging. Thank you, doctor. That Um, had to do with your illness or no? it, It had to do with the pregnancy and it had to do with my illness. I had to be extremely careful. I was pregnant with my son, um, with what I ate, um, taking different supplements and things like that, because there is research that um, points toward the fact that you can pass along Lyme disease, um, you know, in like in utero, like you can pass on the infections and things like that. Um, Thank God we tested and that, and that wasn't the case, but I had to be extremely careful. Um, So my relationship with food's been a little, a little tough, which was hard because like by nature, I'm a big foodie. But I don't know if that was because of my preoccupation with food when I was not giving my body the food that it needed. Right. Or that, because that I is awesome. What, right. So it's funny because I, I tell this to clients a lot. Like 
I realized that, I mean, I happened to be a foodie. That's like why I became a dietitian, but I also probably became a dietitian and became a foodie because of all the years of restricting. Like when you're right. restricting, you know, like those people that are like, love to cook for you and they like love to smell the food and they're like here eat eat and you notice like they're not eating it's like yeah so disordered like they're yeah. just like vicariously trying to eat through you so yeah, yeah that could that could be why no but I definitely have a history of of um restriction and that's also tied into my anxiety disorder mm-hmm. where you know you feel like everything's out of control and the only thing you can control which you shouldn't but you you irrationally think you can control is 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 what you're eating and like right for some people that can go over to the extent of like this, like euphoric feeling of restriction right? and things sure. like that. Yeah. Um, but I definitely had to like relearn how to eat um, and also like kind of figure out once I learned how to eat and how to eat consistently. And that started, you know, with like drinking Ensure's if I couldn't get anything down, you know, it was, mm-hmm. it was nasty. You can only drink it when it's ice cold. Yeah. It's gotta be ice cold to, to be able to chug that stuff. But first starting like mm-hmm. to like tell your body, you know, you need food. Right. And then from there, it's like, okay, well, what am I in the mood of? And I keep options around, you know, like mm-hmm. what am I in the mood of right now? What's my body like asking for? Or, you know, am I still hungry? Do I want more? Am I full? Stop inhaling food and like chew. It's one of my hardest things is chewing. Why do you think that is? I think it's a sensory thing. I'm a very sensory person. Mm-hmm. I also realized that like I was just telling my husband I'm like I'm pretty sure I'm like I'm like sound sensitive like I already told myself like I just got a pair of like earphones I was like I'm gonna take this to the next like bar mitzvah we're invited to because it's just so loud I can't function and I have to leave mm-hmm. um, but I do have some sensory stuff so I think that like maybe the sensation of a full mouth mm-hmm. um, is something that whatever and like maybe I also kept my body like not fed until the point that I was like very hungry that it was like okay let's just shovel let's it just shovel this down yeah so that my body can like understand like okay I'm taking care of you like let's get it to to realize it faster but, like my husband saw it like from date three which was the date where I was like dude like you don't eat enough like let me take you to this new burger joint and like I stuffed myself really fast and like the rest of the day he's like talking and I'm like laying to the side on my chair and just going like uh he's like are you okay I'm like hey I eat too quickly he's like yeah, yeah. no duh right. like why are you eating so slow he's like why are you eating so fast <laughs> so, yeah. so we're definitely we're definitely you know relearning some habits here yeah you it sounds like you had a complicated complicated relationship with food pre-Lyme and then during Lyme it just like totally enhance that complication but like I guess I want to pivot the conversation a little bit to other topics but just yeah I've heard I, I mean I'm gonna link the episode because I want people to hear your full story but like let's say let's say this was you like pre-Lyme and you would see a friend that like drastically lost weight do you think you would have made comments and also like like what would you like what do you want people to know about that like it is sometimes when you do see somebody who loses weight and it's so drastic and dramatic it's hard not to say something but now being on the other side of it and knowing like how painful it is like right. and how like like a boundary violation is like like what do you what's like one or two messages you could tell people All right so i mean for myself i didn't really notice my body much until i got sick um, I started becoming hyper aware and insecure about it. Like I still haven't gotten like back to where I was before I got sick. Like size wise, I don't really weigh myself 
um, because that would likely become an obsession of like numbers and things, which it has in the past, probably because of the anxiety and stuff. Um, but it was, I found myself like looking at my body. I happened to have gotten a few months. Our first year of marriage was fantastic. Um, a few months in, I needed to get emergency surgery on my small intestine. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. piece of it needed to get cut out. You know, we're married for like under six months. My husband, my, my new husband, you know, has to like, I say new, but like, thank God my only, but like newlyweds, you know, he's rolling me into the OR, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I was told I couldn't eat for three days because once you operate on your intestines, like it takes a few days for them to like go back. And the first mm-hmm. thing I did when I got home from the hospital is I went to look in the mirror and turned sideways to see what I looked like. And I do believe that that was because of how much focus was put on my body that it brought the attention of like, wait, I'm supposed to be paying attention to my body. Mm. Apparently that's what we're supposed to be doing because I wasn't doing that in the past. Which Um, is pretty amazing that you didn't have like an obsession with the way that you looked before that, because like for a lot of teens, that's like a huge problem, you know? It was more about like the food because I thought it was like, a study type thing. Like I was, I loved physics. I loved the idea of nutrition stuff fascinated me. So I was just like, Oh, what's best for my body? What's whatever. But it really wasn't like, and like the theory of dieting, but it wasn't for, for the purpose of a smaller body. Like Mm -hmm. I just, I, I didn't really look at it too much. And then I was just more preoccupied with like my PCOS symptoms of like, Mm -hmm. you know, excess hair and stuff like that. That was kind of my obsession, but like size and shape and all that jazz. Like I, couldn't care less back in the day. And like, I've gotten to a point where like, I, if someone I'm close to happens to lose a significant amount of weight, you know, and someone else mentions it, or, or if I feel close to them, I go, I'm like, I've noticed that you, you know, lost weight. Was that intentional? Um, only someone I'm close to. And if the answer is yes, I'm like, how do you feel? And then I'm friends of other people. Are you feeling? Yeah, no, for sure not. But it's just like, how are you feeling? Do you feel, do you feel better? Because there are sometimes like all of a sudden, like, how do you feel? Like terrible. Right. Okay, but why? Right. Like, what's going on? And like, I've like learned also to be more empathetic about, you know, people struggling with weight gain when they're in a smaller body. Um, because I've had friends, and at once I was like, oh well, you know what? Like, it's not healthy, and and you're small, and you're this, and you're that, and I learned like, you know what? Like that's not empathy at all. Mm -hmm. That must be so hard. You know what? Like that's hard. Like it's Mm -hmm. hard to like try something on in your closet and have an outfit at Mm -hmm. any size. If it's something you like, it is hard. Yeah, it's very hard. you know? So I've also learned that also for myself because there are things that I don't fit into anymore. And I I asked on social media, some people got like a little jarred when I asked them like, cause someone asked me a question and I assumed that it was because they noticed that I gained some weight. They're like, did you stop working out? And I was like, is that because you don't see me starring about it? Or is it because you noticed that I gained weight? And then I said, like, did you notice? I just asked. And someone was like, I don't like where you're going with this. I'm like, hi, person that doesn't know me. Like, let me say my piece. And then I went on to saying, you know, with the obsession that people have and, you know, a real epidemic on social media is that there are people who are looked up to or viewed as role models who are sharing some really unhealthy uh, food behaviors. Mm-hmm. And if they say, you know, what they're eating in a day, that's less than like what a toddler should be eating. Mm-hmm. Or like, taking on these restrictions just because they can um or they think they should be or you know oh that's how you and and they're cool and they're small and they don't eat so I'm going to do the same thing um so you were trying to like really I was uh, like shed, shed light like, on that yeah I'm like 
it's, you have to realize that it's harmful. And I also realize that there are a lot of people on here who are now, you know, educating about intuitive eating health at every size, you know, all that jazz. And I think that it's made a difference because some people were like, yeah, I noticed, but like, it's not my business and I would never ask you. And like, or I mean, like, I don't you think just look happier and you look yeah. healthier. Right. But that wouldn't have, that's not, that's not the culture that we lived in, you know, five, 10 years ago. So I was like, I wanted to see, because I wanted to see how far we've, how far we've come on right. here. And I'm very pleased with the results. Yeah. I said it, it much more hard. eloquently, but it was like, it was good. Right. It must be hard. I, this, I wasn't even planning on saying this, but it just must be hard to be like that person on Instagram that people like, because you are an influencer, like people look up to you and like, you have a responsibility and like, I'm sure people say things that like, you're not expecting or like, aren't so nice. And like, I know if it was me, I'd be like, oh gosh, this is so hard. Like, is that something that like you struggle with or most people are nice and like, I had to deal with it. I had to deal with it myself because the way I was reacting was pretty strong and pretty emotional. Um, so there was obviously some underlying, uh, trauma and like struggle there. So I had to work through it, you know, and now when someone says something, as we now say in our house, goofy, I just go like, okay, said something goofy. It's not my problem. And you just like like, ignore it or it doesn't, or I'm just like, or sometimes I'll stand up for myself and just be like, that was a ridiculous thing to say, or ouch, that was hurtful. Mm -hmm. Um, and then some people just can't be reasoned with and that's okay. And I say, yeah. you know, like the last time I had something with someone, I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, you know what? It seems like this is really affecting you. Like, I'm sure you have more things, important things to deal with, you know? So I'm going to make it easier for you and I'm going to block you so that you don't have to like struggle with like looking at my things and like having it bother you so much. I don't want you to be this distressed. I'm sure you have more important things in your life to do. And I meant to genuinely. So I did. I'm like, right. you know what? Like this person, what I'm doing is triggering to them for some reason. And like, okay, so like, let me, let me take that stumbling block away from you. Right. You have to have like thick skin and be like assertive, I guess. And just have boundaries. If you're like, so many people are watching your stories and like know about some aspects of your life. They assume they probably know you and like, yes. Yeah. yeah. It does feel like it, it, I will say as a consumer of like watching people on social media like you do kind of feel like you know them but like you have to remember like you don't know them and you're not good friends just because you watch them on Instagram you know right but I'm also in the unique position of I'm not doing you know the regular mainstream like solely you know promoting items I do that because that's a way to help make a living but I do a lot of awareness for mental health for chronic illness for you know religious struggle and questioning and things like that to, to yeah. create space for that so that I think there's even further more of an assumption but there is a large chunk of my life and things that go on behind the scenes that I haven't shared for like right. two years we've been dealing with the fact that my father-in-law has early onset Alzheimer's mm-hmm. and I only shared it you know a couple of months ago for the first time mm-hmm. you know people who are not in my close circles didn't know that he lived with us or that mm-hmm. and we then we you know had him in a different location here, but like took care of everything for him. And then we had to move him back to a facility in New York and this and that, like people, right. people didn't know, but right. then there's plenty more that people don't know right? Of that, course. I, that I don't plan on sharing for many different reasons, but listen, I don't mind. I don't live in a place where I'm often, you know, bombarded or recognized. It happens a few times when I go to like, you know, the restaurants here. But that's also the beauty of being out of everything. I don't know if I'd share as much if I lived in the tri-state. Right, I hear that. 
Um, another thing I, I just wanted to say is that um, it's interesting that people commenting a lot on your body made you have more of a emphasis on looking on, at yourself in the mirror and like your body. And that's like important for like people to know about themselves, about their kids, about making comments about people's bodies, because like we do live in a world that is obsessed with like how people look and how people present. And like, you know, like in the intuitive eating world, we talk about like, you know, when you see someone, you don't have to say like, well, you look so skinny or like, did you lose weight? Like you, you don't even have to make any comments about the way they look. You could say like, right. I love your glasses. I love hanging out with you. I missed you, you know, like just because when we do emphasize the way people look, that's just what we all kind of have an emphasis on. So like, or even just, how are you feeling? Right. I would have loved that. Right. Would have loved that. How are you feeling? Right. But then after, even after when I was functioning a little better, I was still in a very small frame and I'd get things like, well, well, you can eat that. I can't, but like you can. And it's like, oh, there's some more left on the table. Barry, you finish it. You're the only one at this table that can afford to. And I'm like, but right. I'm full. Like, don't try to stuff me. Don't tell me what I should be eating. Like right. I'm full. Like, right. Also right. just don't comment on what I'm eating or what I want to eat or things like that. It's, like people feel like it's public, yeah. it's public property. Like if somebody's body changes, like everyone could say whatever they want. Yeah. Yeah. I have a friend who told me she was over this Shabbos and someone was like, again, like, and like grabbed her stomach. She's like, nope, that's just the leftovers. Cause she has a baby that's, you know, a few months old. Just, just don't make comments about people's bodies ever. Also like, get off of me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just have to take a minute to absorb that. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's terrible. Um, okay. So I'll, another thing I wanted to ask you, I've been really dying to ask you about this, is that I watched your live on um, Instagram with the reps. So Jacob Rupp is a business coach, right? Him and his yes. wife, Julie? Yes, Jacob and Julie. Um, I, I think it was a night that I couldn't sleep. I have, I have like major insomnia and I was sitting on the couch. It was probably two in the morning and I was watching. I'm like, I can't, believe, the whole thing I couldn't believe. I'll tell you why. First of all, I love that you were like so honest about your struggle with money because you were literally being coached as if like it was you and just them, but like anyone could watch it, you know, like, yeah. Um, and I, I heard, I heard um, Jacob Rupp on the podcast with um, Tippy Gross. So I knew like a little bit about what he did and, um, but you were so, first of all, you were so like open about your relationship with money. So I want to hear about that. And also, um, I just figured like influencers, like, are rich you know like they just make a lot of money you know like I guess that's how it presents on Instagram so yeah. I wanted you to like first of all why did you decide to share like your relationship with money on Instagram um well actually um Rabbi Rupp and I go way back he was the reason why I have the Woman of Valor podcast we both worked for NCSY at the same time and when I was leaving because of my illness I was like I'm leaving like I'm not sure what I'm gonna do with my time he's like start a podcast I'm like what's a podcast so he actually helped set me up with everything oh, that so I needed um so I know the reps you know for for a few years now and um he felt that was I, a good idea to like to like share your voice or share like what's going on with you. I or... think so. I think it was also important for people to see. Like I always share like when something's an affiliate code for me and say like this is a percentage, or like if I have I have restaurants here that I have codes with, and I go like let's say I go to Cafe Express, I have code Barry that'll give you ten percent off, for example. Mm -hmm. And at the end of every month, I reach out to the owner. I go, Hey Ron, like how much do I have? And then I have calculations and I go and I'll take a picture and be like, this coffee's on you. Like, thanks for everyone who like, you know, did this or like dinner tonight is brought to 
by you guys because you guys were the ones who brought us dinner. You know, we don't live in a place where it's as easy to say, like, get takeout and do all those things. Like, if we want takeout, we need to be willing to drive an hour. Wow. Total. Because you have to drive 30 minutes there or even 25. What about the wait? Yeah. Like, nobody delivers here. Right. Um, there are random times that one restaurant might deliver one. Um, and I understand. It's, it's I'm a an out of towner. I'm yeah. I'm from Scranton, Pennsylvania. No restaurants. So yeah. So thankfully it. we have. So we have the luxury of of being able to go when we can. Um, but also like the lifestyle is different. My kids, we have some beautiful items for my kids, and some of those happen through collaborations with different children's brands. Very rarely do I purchase, but if I do, it's for you know. A special event or something my child really wants um but quite frankly my daughter has too much clothing um but look who's talking but the truth is I go and I like go through my closet and I pass things on to women in my community people shop my closet I have a friend who literally gets all of her clothing from my closet um they get it at a fraction of what the retail is and some of the stuff still has the tags on because it's part of the work but quite frankly does work does do dresses pay my bills no have right. I tried I'm not gonna walk into a coffee bean and get like oh, here here's here's a headband came for my coffee with a headband. Right. Can't pay my kids tuition with with dresses or, you know, shoes. It just um, seems very glamorous on Instagram when people get like does. these boxes. I'm like, what what do I have to do to get free, you know, free clothes for my kids? I'm just you kidding. Need not but, a real, you, you need to not have a regular steady income. Right. Right. That's what you but, need to do. But you see, you know what I mean? Like when you see people on Instagram right. like having an unboxing, is that what it's right. called? Yeah. And it's just like seems very glamorous. So I guess I guess Instagram does a good job at presenting it like that that's the point well I think everything's extremely curated when it comes to Instagram and that's what I'm kind of loving now about TikTok is that everything's whatever I like made a joke about like the pimple patches I was wearing all day on there because I'm like you know what who cares um and some people are just like will like DM me like strange things if I do that on on Instagram and I'm just like I don't have time to answer DMs right now like I've been meetings children you know therapy this that like I don't have time I'm trying my best, but like, I don't want people to feel neglected. So I'm just like, I'm not even going to do it there. Um, so TikTok, there are people no, who are, are no in fact, there are people who are in fact wealthy, who became content creators because they have a creative eye and they enjoy it. Um, some of them do not make much of an income. And I know some that make major money and it's not only through collaborations, through swipe ups, mm-hmm. some people and their shop styles, if they have a clientele that'll buy dresses, like I know bloggers who make thousands of dollars a month based on their swipe ups alone. I don't do those because I'm, my angle is more to like, to support the smaller Jewish women owned businesses. So that completely knocks me out of the, the park of of shop style and things like that. Um, So I have affiliate codes and I have whatever, do I push as much? I don't, Um, but it's not because it's just because it's not me right now. But I also have other um, streams of income at the moment, but I didn't when I was working with the reps. I told the reps how much I made. It's just like, it's not a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when it comes down to it, like I was giving like free marketing advice in addition to all the content that I was creating for brands. People would um, reach out to you on Instagram and be like, oh, I love your page. Like, could you help me with XYZ? And you would just help them like things like that. Sometimes, I mean- I'll do that sometimes for like content creators themselves at this point, like other bloggers and things also because I run at this point, I run influencer marketing campaigns. So I'm also in touch with a lot of these people and I'm like, Hey, can I give you money? You know, you want to work with us type thing. Um, but it, I'll say in my case, it really was not adding up. 
was not adding up. The money was not equivalent to the time and the energy that I was giving to my clients, to the content, uh, to the platform. Um, and I was probably making just as much as I was when I was like a teacher's assistant. Like, teacher's assistants don't make money. And right. it's like, what? Like true, like once every couple of years, maybe I would get a shaitel from a brand. Mm-hmm. But also then again, like would I bought the shaitel? I don't know. Like currently I am working on a shaitel, but that's one that I'm like paying for because it's something that I want, you know? Right, right. Um, but it doesn't pay the bills, right. you know? And, and I just felt undervalued. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I had this idea of money that like it's limited and that I don't deserve it. And that like, maybe I'm asking people who don't have the money to pay like for things. And like, I see how that's changed. Um, because say with like IBA, I had someone message me like, so is the course going to be free? Because if it would, then it would be more accessible. I'm like, that is true. However, I'm not aiming for accessible being that this took me a year to create. Right. And I, I, I like passed on a lot of paying clients in order to get this done. Like, Getting my expertise is not going to be free. Right. Um, and I probably would have felt bad. And some people would say, do you have scholarships? I'm like, do you have anyone that would be willing to sponsor? Like, I don't, right. I don't have a scholarship fund. Right. Like, right. I'm not in a position where I could do that. I think we just broke even on the first, mm-hmm. on the first thing. And also people don't understand is that we spent a lot of money on right. the course. Right. Gordon and right. I spent a lot of money on the course, aside right. from our time, right. which also is money. So why did you decide to like show that video publicly because you want people to understand like the life cycle of a influencer or because you felt like it was just um helpful content um it was something I like decided to do with Jacob and Julie I figured it was going to be like a like a mutual thing like I would be learning and then also potentially they might get you know clients from it Um, But I also didn't mind it. I think it's also important for us to have more open conversations about money. The only reason like I know about saving, investing, you know, emergency savings funds, um, index funds, all this jazz is because of my husband. And my husband didn't learn it in yeshiva. Right. My husband learned it on his own. Mm -hmm. So there's so many people who are just so unaware of, you know, how to spend their money, how to save their money. You know, when we first got married, my husband's like, is this what my life's going to be? Like, I was sick in bed. I was depressed. And all I would do is online shop money. We didn't have, right? you know? And he's like, is this going to be my life? And now like we get packages, but they're often, you know, when I'm buying something, it's because I feel like it will better our life or it's an experience or it's something that will really give me joy. Um, and there's less impulse buying. I also, you know, honestly getting my color palette done really, really narrowed things down for me. So for me, that was an investment because in the long term, I would be spending less and jumping on less final sales and, and, and thinking the less is more type of thing, like curating my closet. Like, what do I want? Like, will I wear this multiple times? How will I wear it? And things like that rather than like, but it's on sale, but it's $15, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, doing that 20 times is still going to be more expensive than buying the dress at full price that you really want. But you know what? If you can wait for a sale, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, which I which I like to do. I'm like, listen, maybe I'll get it end of season. But if I really want it at that point, then if we have the budget for it, or if I have like in my profit account, like that I can spend that, then I'll do that. Um, 
but it, that that comes with a lot of education but I also had to realize that I'm worth the money and I also talk about like my rates and things like that like I gave a webinar for IBA like for potential signups for IBA I gave a lot of information we didn't do anything salesy I'm like here's a bunch of information um this is what we do this is what the course is if you'd like to sign up you can sign up and there's a bonus if you do now but you know enjoy the information if 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 that's just what you came for and I said in the course I'm like yeah like honestly like the course right now is you know I think we priced it the initial thing at like $8.99, which is less than the value for sure. I'm like, and I charge $500 an hour for my consults. So mm-hmm. I get a lot done during my consults. I can plan an entire campaign in one in one consult or read like re-angle your entire business model. I can name your business in two consults. Like that's what I've done. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also just said it, you know, and I had someone in my Instagram be like, How can you charge that? Da-da-da-da. And I was like, listen, I understand, like you're a teacher and like you are grossly underpaid. And in this marketing industry, the value that I bring to people, if I bring them thousands of dollars in return, they're more than happy to provide me with 500. And at the end of the thing, someone messaged me and they were like, okay, so I'm not down to take the course, but like, can I book you for a meeting? It's 500, right? Right. A few months ago, a year ago, that would have like shaken me to my core. So why do you think it was so hard for you to realize that you had value? Like what was, what was your limiting belief around that? I think I just adopted other people's perspectives around money as my own. And I did what, you know, how like between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, there's, there's a ritual of like going to a body of water and like emptying out your pockets of like your past transgressions. So I did that, you know, figuratively with my, with my ideas about money going into my pockets saying this is not mine. This is not my, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, God has more than enough to provide, you know, I'm, my husband and I are pretty, you know, rigorous in our giving of uh, 10%. We don't actually give 10%. We give 20. Um, it's my husband's, it's my husband's whatever that I took upon myself a couple of years after we got married. I mean, honestly, if I did 20% when I was teaching, like <laughs> I think I'd owe myself money. Um, right. But it's, it was just something that we believed in. My husband's very passionate about. So I took it upon myself and I'm like, money's from God. You know, I'm going to do what I can. And when I started this venture of IBA, I like had a one-on-one with God. I'm like, listen, this is the method that I'm trying in order to bring an income to my family. I will do the best that I can, but ultimately that's up to you. And I'm not jumping around believing that it's my work that's going to be bringing in you know, I don't believe that it's solely on me. I believe that it's a partnership and I understand that it's not up to me, but I'm letting you know that this is the avenue that I want to go with. It's the social media marketing and consulting and the course where I want to go. Did that? I think it's helped. I think you have, you have clarity direction. Like you feel like, was that, was that like session or I guess maybe it was more than one session with the reps. Like, did that give you that confidence and that clarity that like, well, I mean, it gave me the understanding that I really needed to work on it. Probably a few mm-hmm. more sessions with the reps definitely would have helped. Um, but I think they made me realize the problem. Um, and then, you know, I got further, you know, help in order to kind of enlighten me on, you know, steps to take to kind of like shed those notions um, and then realize, okay, like, what do I enjoy doing? Like, or like, I have to vet clients more because one of the things that really stressed me out is like anytime I've really grossly negotiated my rates, I ended up majorly getting taken advantage of. 
Um, and that's never ended well. It's usually right. the clients who I give them the price. They pay me in full when, before we start, I deliver and they thank me very much. And I also do better work for them because there's right. less stress. Right. Um, that's, that's been the best types of clients. Like I have a client that I work with on like influencer management, um, biannually. And by the end of it, she trusts me enough to be like, by the end of it, she's like, okay, how much time did this take you? And like, what, what is the price? She's like, I trust you that you're going to give me like a fair rate. And like, I know you do good work. So just let me know at the end of it. And she's just like, okay, here you go. And here's like an, a little Starbucks something, or here's another little thing, you know? Yeah. So also finding and attracting the right clients to work with and having having the intuition to also be like red flag red flag no nope. right right like you don't have to work for everyone for god to bring you what you need like i had a, someone ask me to do something for them like it was kind of urgent and kind of i'm just like i'm sorry i can't help you right now like i'm 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 full like but you know maybe reach out to this person or to that person or this person they might be able to help you but not me sorry so you feel like since you've started and since you've been like working on yourself, you're able to like have those boundaries and like tell people like, even though like some people, of course, people will like ask you to lower your price. Like now, you know, yeah. like the clients who really value your work will pay you what you're worth. Yeah. Or they'll work with me in some way. Mm -hmm. You know, I understand there are new businesses that want to work with me. And if something that I feel passionate about, we work out some sort of unique arrangement, whether that's, you know, working up to a certain amount of, uh, you know, um, you know, flat rate plus affiliate or, you know, more product or this or that. I don't, I don't take on as many um, clients or like ads anymore, just because I don't know. I don't enjoy it as much as I do like helping businesses behind the scenes. Um, but the clients that I do take on now, like definitely do respect my rates, do respect what I do. Or if they say, you know, I have this budget, you know, what can you do for me? Um, and then if it doesn't work for them and it doesn't work for me, then, you know, no harm, no foul, right. and that's fine. Um, but I definitely think that my perspectives around my value of my work, I mean, especially when I was collecting testimonials for IBA, it made me feel really good. I'm like, who am I to do this? Like I was getting imposter syndrome and then I got all of this stuff from all of my clients that I've worked with. And I'm like, oh, that's why I can do this. Right. Okay. Right. Like I right. delivered results, not like I'm just talking or whatever. Like I, I had someone who's you know, run marketing for like multi-million dollar companies. And they're like, if he's like at the drop of a hat, Barry can come up with like a clever campaign. Like I've never seen anyone do that, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm like, thanks, man. He's like, right. I meant it. I'm like, okay, good. Cause don't right. give me a complex that you just lied. Like he's good at writing these things. Like that's what he does for a living. It's like upsell people. Right. But I was like, right. is this real? He's like, yeah, it's real. I'm like, okay. That's so nice. You know, and this is what I like to do for now. You know, this is where, like, I do feel passionate about helping, like in my head, I was telling my husband, she's like, why do you do what you do? I'm like, it feels good to know that I'm helping another mom pay their kids tuition right? or like pay the grocery bill. That's what right. I love. And like, thank God we're in a place to like, you know, most of our Meister money goes to take care of my father-in-law. And like, I'm not saying we're at a place where we have so much money and whatever, but like, we're at the point where like, you know, our air conditioner downstairs needs to be replaced and it's hot as anything and as like we live in vegas it's over 100 degrees every day now and it's just extremely unpleasant and like yeah it's gonna hurt but like thank god we can do it you right. know we're not we're not in a place where we can just buy whatever we want on a whim um 
And like, yeah, sometimes I do have that bit of envy when I see that, you know, diamond tennis necklace or, you know, the Hermes flats and all that jazz, but like, that's not where we are. Right. And that's okay. And there are times where like, I, I want to get something nice for myself. And if I save up enough, I can, like I saved up for this wig because I'm like, you know what? I want this to be a symbol of like, I am a boss lady and I want a nice hair piece to like show myself, like you earned this, like you did this. Right. It sounds like your whole relationship with him, not just your business money, but like your money with your relationship with money in terms of like using it to bring you the most amount of joy, not just like buying things to buy them, but just to actually like invest in things that really give you joy. It's like your whole relationship with money sort of shifted. Definitely. And I feel like I went, I went to a breath work class last night with my husband where you like do different type of breathing to like stimulate different stuff in your brain and your body and whatever. It's supposed to be a trauma release. The first time I did it, like I laughed so hard. I was crying. My therapist told me that that was a trauma release. Didn't happen as much last night, but it, it was nice. But I remember that first time I went with a group of friends and we were just sitting there and I was like, this is the best $35 I've spent in a really long time. And he just looked at me, I'm like, you know how much garbage I've bought for $35? I'm like, yeah. this is great. This is fantastic. This was a good investment. And there's a laughing at me because I've, I've had to learn like what's worth it. Right. You know, like the impulse buys are just a way for me to cope. And quite honestly, we spend more than enough money on therapy right now. <laughs> like that's where most of our, and that's a good investment self, and that's self-care and self-preservation. Right. That isn't that a good investment though. Yeah. Because you know, the stuff that I've been able to overcome through that help um, has definitely been worth it, you know? And I just remember at a point we were like really struggling. We spent all of our, all of our marriage, my, like our, our wedding money on my, on my treatment right. for Lyme, you know, it was like, what honeymoon? We still haven't right. gone on a honeymoon. We still right. have to save up to, you know, go on a trip right. together. My husband and I have not been away on a vacation together, probably ever. We've gone away, but like for errands, like let's go to Florida to visit my grandmother. You right. Know, she rest right. In peace. Or, but now, but like for us to fly somewhere by ourselves to like a trip, like no. Right. We also have a lot of like, where did we get our stroller? Did we get a hot, like a, like a high end, like current stroller? No, we bought one for $150 on offer up. Right. No, we, we, most of our furniture over the past few years has been secondhand. Like, right. Right. Like it's a different lifestyle, you know, and yeah. you also never know based on social media what somebody's somebody's financial standing is because someone can really be, true. you know covered in labels, but also like drowning in debt. Yeah, that's so or true. There are the people that are, you know, covered in labels that are doing well. And you know what? Right. Good for them. Right. Right. God bless them. Right. And I'm sure that they're doing wonderful, beautiful things with the money that they have. And and I hope that it continues for them. You know, yeah. I hope one day we can get there too. Right. But if not, like, I am really happy with what we have. Yeah, I guess like a really important takeaway is just like you, what you see on social media or what you see, like if you see somebody lost weight, like it's not just like, oh, wow, they, I'm so jealous of them. Like, no, they're sick. Or like, if you see somebody on social media and they're like promoting all this stuff, it doesn't mean that they're like rolling in money. Like it's just, it's not always like right. what you see is not always what you get, you know? There are also people that get paid to do try-ons and things and then they box everything up and send it back. That's so interesting. So you don't know that either. Just because right. someone has all these things, they're doing a try on and maybe they right. need to keep one or two pieces from what they tried on and right. they're sending everything back. Right. It just curated. That's just like the nature of the platform. Yep. 
A hundred percent. But life is like that anyways. Like we see people like in this, and I actually just was listening to Shira last night and Linda Nathan. I don't know if you know her, but she was saying that um, a lot of times um, it's the people that like, who look the most perfect in the, in the supermarket are the ones who you need to be like, are you okay? Like, how are you yeah. doing? You know? And like, it's so interesting to hear that. Cause like we put on a good show, like you were saying before about like putting on a good show, but a lot of times it's people are just really good at acting and like everybody, you know, like we just never know. A hundred percent. Um, okay. So I'm going to let you go. Cause you have to go pick up your daughter. <laughs> um welcome to my life yeah yeah because yeah, we're th- it's 551 here but it's 251 by you yes so I'm gonna go get my kids dinner um but could you just um tell everybody where they could find you and your podcast and your new course yeah absolutely so to find my general shenanigans and my adorable children and my sometimes appearing husband you can find me at Bariana, that's B-A-R-I-A-N-N-A on Instagram. Uh, might be similar on TikTok. I don't know, but who knows? I have like a hundred followers on there. It's great. I just do whatever I want. Um, my podcast is called the Women of Valor podcast. You can find it on your favorite podcast listening app. However, if you want to listen to it on the website, it's the wovlife.com, the womenofvalorlife.com, so W-O-V. And for IBA, um, we are opening up our next cohort in October after, you know, the high holidays so that everyone gets a chance to, you know, get swallowed up by um, so much. Can we touch our phone or not? Um, And what day is it? And that is at the bold edge, iba.theboldedge.com. Okay. I'll put that in the show notes. I'll put all that in the show notes. Um, Okay. Thank you so much. This was awesome. I really appreciate you coming on. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Okay, sure. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Thank you all so much for being here on my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. If you'd like to learn more about what I do and what intuitive eating is, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on Instagram at Gila Glassberg. Thank you so much. Have a great day.